Football season is upon us, and you know what that means. Cold weather is right around the corner. So if you've been putting off getting windows or patio doors all this time, what are you waiting for? Now is the best time to save money at Renewal by Anderson. Right now, Renewal by Anderson, they're having a once-a-year end-of-summer sale. Buy one and get one 40% off. That goes for windows and patio doors. Plus, you can take an additional $50 off each window and patio door, and there's no limit on that. Plus, free installation, no money down, and zero interest and zero payments for an entire year. How can you beat that? Be sure to call Jack Scott today at Renewal by Anderson. They've been in business for 117 years. Call Jack at 440-226-6224. That's 440-226-6224. Act fast. This offer ends September 4th, the end of summer sale at Renewal by Anderson. The song you will hear in the following episode is This City by Patrick Stump and Lupe Fiasco. Copyright 2011 by Sony ATV Publishing. All Cleveland Browns highlights that appear in this episode appear courtesy of the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Big Ben is underneath center, calls the signals, turns, play action fake, back to pass. Now he's looking right, now he dumps it over the middle, it's picked off! MJ Stewart's got it, and he brings it down to the Pittsburgh 46-yard line. Another turnover by the Steelers, as MJ Stewart ends up with his second interception in as many games. The Browns are off to a great, great start. Landry motions right to left. Baker's got the snap on third down and four. Delivers the ball. It's caught. Landry's got it at the 25, at the 20. People Jones blocking for him. He's at the 10, the 5. He leaps and scores. Touchdown. And the Browns lead 13-0. Baker Mayfield to Jarvis Landry. That's my town where they show you love if they seen you around. All of my dogs up in the dog pound, man. I love my tribe, my calves, my browns. Hello, That's everybody. Welcome That's to another episode of the Feeling Dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Johnson. Tonight's show is presented by Jack Scott at Renewal by Anderson. They have been um, in the window business for over 117 years. Be sure to call Jack today for a free consultation. 440-226-6224. That's 440-226-6224. Very excited to have Hayden Grove, reporter for Cleveland.com, on with us tonight as a special guest. Hayden, how are you doing this evening? Good, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And, guys, we are also joined by a full crowd tonight we got the co-hosts we got zach and jack and then we're also joined by the producer peter nab yeah what's up everybody 
How you doing, guys? Yeah, when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. That's what I was waiting for, Pete. You made me do a little awkward silence because I was yeah, like, "Come on, man!" Yeah, it's, all, it's all good, though. It's all good. Yeah, when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. <laughs> Double tapping, man. The first thing, really, uh, to get into here, you've had the opportunity of being at Brown's training camp pretty much every single day, and so we really just want to know how has Baker Mayfield looked so far in training camp to you? Uh, he's looked pretty dangerous. He's looked uh, pretty good. Yeah, I had to throw that in there after all that. Yeah. He's looked pretty good. I mean, he's been, he's been a good leader. You know, he's been pretty accurate with the football. Not, I don't think I've seen, I don't know how many, if even if one interception I've seen, even throughout like seven on sevens drills, team drills, all that stuff, I haven't seen a lot. So he's been good about taking care of the football. Um, it is training camp. They're a couple weeks in. You know, they're not going to be perfect right off the bat. But I'm saying with Baker, I think he's been pretty good. I think he's been pretty, like, with it all the way from, you know, from the start of the training camp until now. He looks like he's in great shape, you know, and I think he's, he's poised for a really big year this year. Yeah, and that being said, obviously we know Faker has chemistry with Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins, but who else on this roster in the wide receiver room do you think he's actually building the most chemistry with? I think Donovan Beatles-Jones has been really the, the, the one that he's kind of gotten a lot of chemistry with as of late. I mean, you know, Donovan Beatles-Jones last year came into his own. They just didn't have a lot of time to have that chemistry because of COVID and whatnot. I think this year with more ability to be around each other, I think Baker and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones have that chemistry. I really believe that Dunham, that Baker Mayfield has, has good chemistry with every one of his receivers, going from Odell to Jarvis to Hollywood Higgins to DPJ to Kadero Hodge. And, you know, I don't know about uh, Demetrius Felton yet just because they haven't had that much time together. But those five specifically, I think the Baker's got a really good rapport with. I think he's got a really good chemistry about. So um, for that reason, again, I'm excited to see what Baker Mayfield's going to do this season because he seems to be really in tune with those five guys. And if he can, you know, find a way to navigate the football around to those five, it's going to be a really, really special year. Right, and continuing on that, Hayden, uh, obviously DPJ's had an incredible camp. He had a really good preseason game. And the question really has become, who is the wide receiver three on this team? A lot of people thought it was going to be Richard Higgins coming into this year. And obviously now with DPJ, you know, kind of coming into his own this offseason, who do you think is really solidifying that position? Well, I think right now it's done with Peoples-Jones just because of the camp that he's had, the ability that he has. I mean, Urban Meyer at one point said he's he was the best kid he's ever, or one of the best kids he's ever recruited in terms of talent and everything else, and said he should be a top 10 draft pick. And there was just a lot of things that Urban said about him. And you're starting to see that with the Browns. I mean, he's supremely talented, ball skills, supremely athletic, get open, um, find the football, catch the football. So I think right now it is Donald Peoples Jones. But as we saw last year, guys, I mean, again, injuries happen. So you got to have, be at the ready. Richard's got to be at the ready. Kaderil Hodge got to be at the ready, you know, especially with COVID as well. So um, I love what DPJ is doing. I think he is a future star. I think he is the number three right now, but Kaderil and Richard are a big part of this offense. They're going to have to be for this team to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and as you started, Tyler, and as you said, you know, DPJ, like how Urban Meyer loved him, all these coaches, you know, are praising him right now. It really makes you wonder what's going on in Michigan other than their quarterback play. So... I just wanted to throw that yeah. out there. And you, with, might, you, you must have seen my tweet. I, I kind of oh, said yeah, that, that was uh, you, actually. That was during, you, actually. During, yeah. the, uh, during the, the Browns-Jaguars game, I said, with every catch that he, that he makes, it's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, there? Right. absolutely. Yeah, that was you, yep. With the wide receivers on this roster, I mean, there are a lot of talented guys overall, but how many wide receivers do you think total end up making this final roster for the Browns? That is the really, really good question. I think those five that we talked about are solidified. I think you're looking at, like I said, you're looking at OBJ, Jarvis, 
DPJ, Kadero Hodge, Hollywood Higgins, right? No order there, but just those mm-hmm. five. And then, you know, JoJo Natson is, is interesting because JoJo Natson is you're going to be re- going to want to be one of your return guys. He's a little older, coming off an ACL. Is he going to be good enough to be the return guy? You drafted Demetri Felden to be kind of a running back, wide receiver hybrid. Is he going to be the return guy? Could they put him as a sixth wide receiver? I'm really, really interested to see what it is because I don't think the Browns want to lose either JoJo Natson or Demetri Felden. Could you make mm-hmm. Demetri Felden the number three running back? That's another slippery slope, too, because then you'd have to lose Ernest Johnson probably. So... I don't know the answer. I really don't know the answer to that question. I wish I did. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And, you know, that's the that's a good problem to have here, the Browns. They're going to make some tough cuts. And that's exactly what you want when you finally have a good roster. This is the type of decisions you have to make. You're not relying on guys who you're bringing in here are guys that, like, oh, we're hoping that this guy will actually be a good player. Like, we're just – hoping trying to catch lightning in a bottle here someone will be a good player for us you're cutting a lot of good players this offseason and you brought up Demetric Felton Zach and I were actually um, texting each other about this during the game on Saturday do you if he makes this roster is he going to be a slot receiver I mean he was playing slot receiver all Saturday night he's been playing running back in training camp too what do you see if he makes this roster what is his role in this offense that's the great part about him right he's a jackknife he can do a lot of different things um he played receiver UCLA then played running back UCLA if the Browns need a third right running back he can be that if the Browns need a slot receiver he can be that he's shown incredible ball skills he's got that kind of fast twitch that you don't necessarily see out of everybody um you know at the NFL level even so he, that's the great thing. He can, he can be whatever he wanted to be. I think he's got to find his way to the field, though. I think that the Browns, you know, love that love that, that ability to kind of do different things. Um, and maybe he's not – maybe because the Browns are so established a running back and they're so established a wide receiver, maybe that's a guy that teams won't really look at. But at the end of the day, he's a guy that can make plays. So I'm not expecting him to have a huge year if you're a fantasy fan or anything like that. But for the Browns, I think he's going to be really important. You know, I think that, again, just his vers- his versatility, being able to play both spots, I think he's definitely going to play in the slot. I think he's definitely going to be a running back. Um, I just wouldn't expect too much in the way of numbers this year, if, if nothing else. And we did have, unfortunately, some bad news that came out of the Browns' uh, preseason game with Jacksonville this past weekend. Tight end Steven Carlson actually suffered a season-ending injury, um, as reported by uh, ESPN's Jake Trotter. Kevin Stefanski, we know he loves to run with four tight ends, so this injury... It's a little bit rough as far as depth at the tight end position. So what do you think this means for the Browns at tight end? And do you think they explore adding um, other other bodies at that position? They very well could. You know, Jordan Franks is a name that that not a lot of people know about. He's a pretty good tight end, you know, backup. Wasn't going to see a lot of time. Maybe he ends up the fourth tight end now. Um, he's athletic. Uh, you know, maybe the ball skills aren't quite there. But, I mean, you're, you're going to rely a lot on Austin and David, and you're going to rely on, a lot on Harrison Bryant. I think, you know. Those are three very, very quality tight ends. I think all three of them could be starters in the NFL um, for every, for any team, really. And I think that, again, if if you need a fourth, you need a fourth, they can find a fourth. But I think those three guys specifically are going to just have to do their jobs really, really well. Austin Hooper coming off of a little bit of a slow year for you know for the, what they're paying him and has had a slow camp thus far. But I, I assume that he's going to get back to it and he's going to have maybe even a bigger role this year. David Njoku just gets so open, so athletic, has problems catching the football, though, which is obviously huge and has problems blocking. So those guys are going to have to complement each other. You know, where David lacks, Austin's going to make up for it. Where Austin lacks, David's going to make up for it. Where Harrison Bryant lacks, maybe in the in the in the blocking, and um, you know he's had some fumble issues. Those guys are going to make up. So they got to complement each other in that tight end room, and I think they're going to be okay, even without Stephen Carlson. A big blow. Bigger Mayfield, you know, is is very comfortable with them, but 
Um, not a lot of teams have the good fortune to have four really, really good tight ends like the Browns had. Um, so I think they'll be okay without Steven Carlson, but still, you're right, a big blow for sure. We finally had Browns football, and we're so glad it was back. It, it was a lot of uh, fun being able to watch this team on the field. We didn't see a um, lot of stars. I believe Andrew Billings was maybe one of the few stars we actually saw. But the Browns did defeat Jacksonville 23-13. How did you feel about the Browns' performance without their key players on the roster playing in that game? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people said a B. I, I, had, I had them at an A. I mean, they, I think everything that they needed to do in that game one, they did. Obviously, losing Stephen Carlson doesn't help. Obviously, losing uh, Ryan Stitzer doesn't help. But again, I think the rookies came out and showed out, you know, showed that they can play ball. Jeremiah Wusukormo was flying all over the field, making plays, making tackles. Awesome. You saw Demetrius Felton perform really well. You saw Donovan Peoples-Jones for a little bit there. You got Case Keenum some work in there, which is great. Kyle Aletta even got some work, which is awesome. Again, that gives him an opportunity to maybe if he doesn't make the Browns on the roster, um, which they have explored, you know, putting him on the roster, um, they would like to put him on this practice squad, but then he has to clear waivers, and, you know, they, he probably won't do that because he played well. So, yeah. Um, and he's got two more games in the preseason. I understand that. So I think they did everything that they needed to do in this preseason game. I thought they were well organized. I think they were well disciplined. You know, they got a lot of experience. They had a two-minute drill, which they scored on. Um, they did a lot of great things defensively. They got to the quarterback. I think it was a really, really good night. I thought Greg Newsom, again, even if he didn't play incredibly well, he was facing one of the better receivers in the league in Marvin Jones. So I thought overall it was, could not have gone better for Cleveland. And, he, and adding on to that, Hayden, they only had three total penalties the entire game, which is, considering exactly. that these are second and third string guys, I think that's just really, you know, is telling for the coaching staff. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what you're chart. looking for. You're looking for the little things. You're looking for the discipline. You're looking for the the, um, the crispness, the cleanness. You know, they don't want to play a messy game. They want to get in, want to get out, get their plays in, get their, you know, get the schedule. So um, I really could not have gone better, in my opinion. Overall, with the wide receiver room, uh, um, bring it up again. DPJ has already proven uh, we believe that he can be the wide receiver three in this offense. And so when Zach and I were talking to each other Saturday night, it made me possibly think, Demetric Felton's playing a lot in the slot. If he proves that he can be, then they can mold him as a slot receiver. What do you think that means for Rashard Higgins? Because DPJ can play special teams. Felton can probably play special teams, it looks like. Daryl Hodge is a very valuable member of that special teams unit, and supposedly they want to get Schwartz some work there. Does that kind of possibly put Rashard Higgins as an odd man out in this wide receiver room, given he's on a one-year contract and the Browns are not paying him very much money? I don't know. It's tough. I mean, it's, again, one of those things where – you have an embarrassment of riches at a lot of different positions, and this is one of them. I think Hollywood Higgins took less to re-sign in Cleveland. I think he wants to be here. I know, I know that Baker and he have great chemistry. I don't think you want to lose that. You know, Anthony Schwartz, as great as it would be to have him there, he might end up a roster cut because, again, hmm. you're looking at those five, and you're looking to win now. I mean, obviously, Anthony Schwartz, again, in the future would be great, but if you're looking to win now, you got to have the best five guys on the team, and if he's not going to play in the preseason, yes, he's fast, sure, for sure. He's very fast. He has a skill set that no one else in the NFL has, but he also doesn't have the chemistry that he that Baker Mayfield has with Richard Higgins, and I would just be shocked. I'd be shocked if the Browns bailed on Richard Higgins before they bailed on a guy like Anthony Schwartz. Even though he was a third-round pick, even though he's this year's draft pick, I get it. It's tough, uh, but again, the injury bug is, was not kind, and 
you know, I think they expected a lot of Anthony, out of Anthony Schwartz to potentially, you know, be on the roster. I don't know how they're going to navigate that. I don't think they want to get rid of Anthony Schwartz. I don't think they want to get rid of Richard Higgins. You know, they're going to be some tough, tough decisions to be made. So um, that's the problem with the practice squad is sometimes guys don't always make it through. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a very, very tough thing. One yeah, question. And, go ahead, Pete. Go ahead. One question. Yeah, I, one question I have with, with this second preseason game, do you expect – Baker to play at all in the second preseason game? Do you think do you think he should play at all, or do you th- or do you think uh, the coaching staff is just going to rest him for the entire preseason, or do you think he's going to play a little bit in the second preseason game? Considering the fact that you know typically in a regular preseason, the the third preseason game is kind of the dress rehearsal. Obviously, three preseason games this year. Do you think? Baker Mayfield is going to play at all in the second preseason game here at home on Sunday? That's a great question, Pete. You know, I think that it's probably smartest for him to play like one drive um, against the Giants at home. I think that maybe even then it might be a lot. I wouldn't do much in that drive. I would just make sure that, you know, maybe he gets a a bootleg or two, a pass or two out of the, you know, out of the different formations. You're trying to get a a gauge of what your, your franchise quarterback is what you're going to pay him, what the extension is going to look like, that kind of thing. So you want to keep him healthy. You want you don't want to burn him out. Um, and you want to, although Baker is a kind of guy that does want to be out there every day, he's very durable. He's very, you know, strong. There's no real reason for him to play the preseason. So you have to weigh whether you want him to get out there a little bit, get comfortable. I think the good thing about what's going on with the Browns in terms of their dual practices, they're going to be playing against the Giants. Baker will play against the Giants. They'll have some 11-on-11s in practice. It'll be more controlled, though, so, you know, you're not necessarily touching the quarterback. You don't. If you get a sack, that's great, but you don't have to bring him to the ground all the way. I think that may be the best option for the Browns. Let him do what he needs to do in 11-on-11 on, in Berea against the Giants, and then forget about the game. I truly agree with that. Uh, going back to the preseason game week one against the Jaguars, uh, let's go over some stats, you know, that we noticed that are popping out. Obviously, JOK, his defensive stats were amazing. Seven solo tackles, three tackles for losses, in one sack in his preseason debut as the Browns. So do you think JOK is already earning himself meaningful reps on this defense? Yeah, I do, um, especially given the linebackers. Um, you know, when you look at Sione Takitaki, not very fast. Um, you know, you look at Mac Wilson, athletic, but has had some problems throughout the years. Um, and you hope he gets back to that place where he's, you know, happy and healthy. Anthony Walker certainly brings to that. But I think, again, you're going to have to rotate guys in and out. I mean, again, you don't play – not every linebacker is going to play every snap. So – I'm a firm believer that, that yeah, Jeremiah Wusu-Cormo is going to play. And even if it's like a hybrid safety linebacker role, he's going to blitz the quarterback. He's going to be in coverage. He's going to make tackles. And if he continues to do what he does, there's there's not going to be a way to keep him off the field. you got to keep him on the field if he continues mm-hmm. to do that. So, again, an embarrassment of riches. You signed Malcolm Smith for a year. I think you're going to keep him on the team because, again, he's a guy that can bring you better in leadership. They already released Montreal Meander today, it looks like. So, yeah. Again, we'll see what happens with that linebacker group, but I think Jeremy Jeremiah Lucifermo is definitely earning himself a spot in the rotation at this point. Another guy who had a really good debut, I thought, was Greg Newsom the second. He was out there with Greedy Williams. They pretty much played um, together. They were the two starting corners out there. How do you think he looked in his first game as a Cleveland Brown? Yeah, I think he looked good. I mean, again, playing against a really talented receiver, a guy who's been around the NFL for a long time, I think he did a really nice job. And he's only going to get better. You know, his first mm-hmm. game, I thought he he was – not only was he quick, not only was he fast, not only was he, you know, very able to get to the football. I just liked his attitude about it, got, got up, got back to it. I think I like everything about him to this point. I really do. And, of course, we kind of talked about this earlier, but it's kind of becoming a debate here now on social media. 
Both Browns quarterbacks look solid, Case Keenum and Kyle Laletta. Kyle Laletta's performance, of course, it's in the preseason. It's against backups, and you never want to overreact to this. But some Browns fans are thinking that he's possibly being groomed to be the backup quarterback um, to take over for Case Keenum, whether that be if the Browns decide to trade him this offseason to a team that has a quarterback injury like the Colts or possibly next offseason. So what are your thoughts on Kyle Laletta? Is Do you think he possibly could be a backup for the team in the future? Yeah, why not? Absolutely. Um, I think that obviously Case Keenum is a guy who has a ton of experience, who you know helps Baker Mayfield, knows Kevin Savansky really well. Um, I think for this year, Kevin's or Case Keenum's perfect. Um, going into next year, though, yeah, you could, if you groom Kyle Aletta well enough, you could definitely be a part of your future plans. That's why, again, that's why they're looking at not practice swatting him, so you don't have to put on waivers. They're looking at giving him a roster spot. So you don't want to lose him, but he played really well against Jacksonville. The most important position that they Baker Mayfield again has played a lot of games, hasn't really needed that much in the way of backups. You hope that's the case, right? Yeah. That's the biggest hope is that that just continues and that your backup is a backup. You know, at some point, obviously Baker will get a little dinged up. I mean, that's the NFL, that's life. Um, so you definitely are going to need a backup at some point, um, even if it's just you know for a couple snaps here or there. But I think Kyle Aletta certainly could be part of the plans. But for right now, I think Casey. Him, stick it out through this year, and then you move on next year, see what's available. Right, Aiden. And, and talking about other possible offseason moves, obviously Nick Chubb uh, received an extension uh, this offseason. Uh, and on August 8th, uh, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported that the Browns have started to discuss a potential deal with Denzel Ward. Do you think that that's possible that we see a Denzel Ward extension this offseason? And what do you think that looks like? I do think it's possible that you see a Denzel Ward extension. I think the problem is that, you know, Denzel continues to kind of exhibit little, little signs that he's a little, you know, a little not durable. I mean, that's it's tough because he is a hometown kid and he's a great player for sure. But you gotta, you cannot be getting huge extensions if you're not you're not available. So I think the Browns are a little skeptical um, of giving him a massive extension. I think they want him to be in Cleveland. I don't think that's the issue. I just think they don't want to spend overspend on a guy who potentially could, you know, come down with more injuries. Um, but again, I think they love everything about Denzel. I think they love his tenacity. I think they love his you know work ethic. I love. I think they love his attitude. So I think they do want to be Cleveland long-term, which is why I think sometimes um, you just kind of got to take that risk that Denzel is going to be around. So I think that Denzel is the next extension. I do. I don't know if it's this offseason. I don't know if it's before the end of training camp. I don't know if it's during the season, but I do think that will happen. And, of course, talking contracts, you pretty much can't go any type of episode with, with us when we talk to anybody without talking about Baker Mayfield to some extent. With Baker Mayfield, it, it's been reported the Browns really haven't had any talks with him on an extension. Do you believe that this is something the team waits until next offseason, want to see how he does this year? Or what are your thoughts on overall his contract situation? I think right now, yes. I think at this point right now, they're both in wait and see mode. I think mm-hmm. Baker's like, hey, I'm going to go play my butt off, and I want to get a huge extension. I want to get a, I want to get a bigger deal than Josh Allen. I want to get 50 years or 50 million years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's That's his mindset. He's always had that mindset. He's had it. That's what makes him great. That's what makes him declare that he is, is that – he has that chip on his shoulder. He wants to be the best. The Browns, on the other hand, have this, well, hey, we're going to, yeah, yes, we want Baker to be our quarterback. He wanted to be our franchise. But, you know, if he does struggle a little bit this year, and then we might not necessarily have to pay him the $50 million. We can pay him $35, 36000000 million. Now, there could be a point, I think there's, I, here's what I think is going to happen. I think there's going to be a point in the season where Baker's playing well, the Browns are exce- like really excited about him. I think the Browns are going to say, all right, 
you know, let's give him, let's give him a little more than Josh or let's give him the Josh Allen deal and we're, and let's just go. Let's just secure it right now. This is the best we're going to do because we don't want to pay him the 50 because he's really, you know, he's, if he continues to play this well, he's going to earn that 50 and Baker's going to be like, all right, you know, I'm playing well. I've earned that bed bigger than Josh deal. I'll, I'll stay here for the next, you know, whatever, six, seven years and get it done. So I think that's going to be the point in the season. Maybe it's, you know, four weeks in, maybe it's more than that. But I really believe that they're going to come to an agreement during the season. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Hayden. I actually crossed my mind as well. I was thinking, you know, what if Baker's playing very well and they're just like, hey, here's what Josh Allen made. We'll offer you this first. That's kind of like a, you know, kind of a, a segue into maybe negotiations with his camp because it's been said that their camps have been talking with, you know, Andrew Barry. Is that still, you know, do you think there's any truth there? Or do you think they actually have still been kind of talking and negotiating? No, I don't think they've been negotiating. I really don't. I don't think they've been talking about numbers yet. I, I think that maybe they both know what's up. And they both are ready when they when the time comes. Um, but like Baker said, he's worried about he's worried about winning right now. He's worried mm-hmm. about getting better as a football player. And the Browns are you know looking at ready, getting him ready to be the best football player he can be. So I think they both have numbers in their mind. I think they both have ideas in their head. Um, but right now, I don't think they're actually putting it in you know meaningful conversations to where they're actually talking about it. I think they're maybe hey you know we're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. We have an idea. We have an idea. And I think, like like they said, I think they're both kind of waiting for the other to say, okay, we're ready. You know, maybe the Browns, whoever flinches first, I think that'll start the conversation and then they'll get something done. But they're not playing stalemate because I think they're on the same page. I think they, they're happy. Both sides are happy. Right now, they're not trying to, like, be, like, unhappy with each other. But mm-hmm. I think at some point, you know, everybody is looking out for their own interests, be it the Browns, be it Baker Mayfield. And uh, I think at some point they're going to come to an agreement. And Hayden, something that came out um, over this weekend is one of your teammates at Cleveland.com, Mary Kay Cavett, uh, reported that the Browns and tight end David Njoku, that he actually dropped his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, and went back to his old agent, um, who he was with when he was drafted. So in, in hopes of him playing here long term. So what do you think are the odds now that we could possibly see a David and Joku extension here by the end of the year that keeps him in Cleveland long term? That's an interesting one. I don't think you're going to. I don't think you're going to see a David and Joku extension because here's why. Because he's only got one year left in his deal. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if maybe if he really plays poorly and, and, and his agent says, hey, you know, we, we want to be here in Cleveland, you know, we'll, we'll give you a hometown discount. Or the opposite, he plays really, really well. I, you know, I don't, I don't foresee, I don't foresee an extension with David, just because the Browns do have Austin Cooper for another two years. That's just another player to lock up, and it's just tough. There's just so many mouths to feed. I, I think David might be just one of the ones that you kind of got to wait on, see what the, see what the market is in the offseason. If he really wants to be in Cleveland, he can resign in the offseason. He can resign as an undersecretary free agent, um, or he, again, he can take and find a lot of money somewhere else and go somewhere else. So. Um, I think firing Drew Rosenhaus is big. I think he was just more focused on, you know, having someone who's really taking care of him first. I think Drew's got so many clients that it's tough sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly I think that David Njoku is, is a very interesting case, no doubt. Do you think, too, what might come down to that? Again, he was with different. He was with Drew Rosenhaus at this time. But Njoku, I believe, did request a trade from the Browns um, yeah. at some point in his tenure. Don't you think that would somewhat have a little bit of effect on how that relationship might be overall? I mean, he might say now that he does want to be here long term, but he originally did request a trade. Do you think that is in Andrew Barry's mind as well, or do you think that's kind of just water under the bridge? 
I think it's water under the bridge at this point. Um, you know, he kind of squashed that last year. Um, you know, and, and that could very well have been an agent-driven decision. Again, mm-hmm. Drew probably said, hey, we can get you – we, we want to get you somewhere else so you can get that for strict, unrestricted free agent value up in two years. Um, because, again, things did not go well the year before in Cleveland. There was no guarantee they would continue to go well. But now that they did go well last year, I think, um, you know, David and Joku is maybe a little more – ready to play for a contender and ready more, a little more willing to play in Cleveland because he sees the talent. He sees what they can do there. He sees what he and Austin can do together. He sees what he and Harrison can do together. So I think, I think it is water under the bridge. You know, things change, people change, environments change. And obviously David has changed a couple of times now. He wanted to trade and now he doesn't change his agent. So again, David, it's up to David. It's up to, you know, what he wants to do and where he wants to be. Hayden, the last thing we have to do, we do this with every guest before they leave the show your record prediction for the Cleveland Browns this year. Do you see us winning the division and um, how, how we do in the playoffs? I do see the Browns winning the division. Um, I think it's going to be close with Baltimore. I really do. I think that Baltimore's talented. I think they always put up a fight. I think Lamar Jackson is, while not a great passer, he's somebody you have to keep an eye on all the time mm-hmm. um, just because of his innate ability to run the bat- or run the football. I like J.K. Dobbins a lot. I like what they've done with free agency. I like what they've done with the offensive line. I like what they've done, you know, with their defense. So I think Cleveland's more talented, but again, Baltimore's had a, a winning culture for longer. I think Cleveland can definitely beat them. So I'm going to say right now, I'll go 11 and six for the Browns at this point. I think they, they win the division. They make the playoffs, you know, from there, I, you know, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's too early to tell. It's too early to see. Um, I would have never envisioned the Browns beating Pittsburgh and going into Kansas city and losing, you know, by a uh, score um, when the season started last year. So, I think I think they can do whatever they want to do. If they want to win the Super Bowl, I think they can do it. I think they can do it. If they if they're in it together enough and they're talented enough and they're healthy enough and they're you know just rolling enough, I think they can win the Super Bowl. So I'll leave it at that. Um, I, I think I'm going to come out with something in the next couple of weeks for us at Cleveland.com and definitely check us out at Cleveland.com slash Browns. Check out the Football Insider for sure. Um, it's, we get great information. Give it to you as a subscriber. Um, I believe Mary Kay and all Dan and all them definitely go check that out. Uh, but I'm going to come out with something where I think if there is a team to win the Super Bowl in Cleveland, I think this is your team. Um, you know, next year there's a lot of un- not, not not a ton of unknowns. You still have your core pieces, but I mean, next year you might not have you know you might not have Odell and Jarvis back. You might not have David back. You might have some change on the offensive line. You might lose some of your coaches. I mean, you're bringing back an entire offense, which is the first time I've ever seen that as a Brown in the Washington Browns since I was, you know, 1999, six years old. I've mm-hmm. never seen, a, seen the same team come back with the coaches. I've never seen the same team come back with the players. So offensively, this is the time to do it. They completely revamped their defense. Joe Woods can now do what he wants to do. So yep. if there is a time for the Browns to win the Super Bowl, it is this year. And I'm not saying they couldn't do it in the future years, but certainly you don't want to lose an opportunity, um, especially with all the talent you have. So we'll see. We'll see. But I believe that they can do it. And I I want to make it known that Hayden Grove, to our fans out there, said the same thing about OBJ and Juice that we said on the show that we got absolutely blasted for about saying they possibly won't be here next year. That's all we said. And it's it's not it's not fact. It's not 100 percent. But like, you know, they're. Donald, what if Donald Peoples Jones really makes an impression mm-hmm. and one of those guys or Jarvis gets hurt or Odell gets hurt? You're not. 
it's tough. It's tough. But, I mean, I would love to see Odell and Jarvis here for the rest of their careers. I think it'd be awesome. I think it's yeah. a really unique story mm-hmm. to have two best friends from Louisiana who have grown up together, went to college together, and now they're playing the league together. I mean, that uh, one of the one of the highlights of the Browns and, and my time watching them was that Odell to, or Jarvis to Odell touchdown pass. I mean, yeah, absolutely. that's going to be one of the coolest things ever for those dudes. So mm-hmm. um, I hope they're here, and maybe they can. Maybe there's a way to restructure where it's easier for the Browns and more flexible. But um, you know, they both make a lot of money, and they're both getting up there in terms of age in the league. So um, there's no guarantees. Yeah, exactly. And Hayden, before uh, we let you go, if every uh, for people who don't know, let them know where they can find you and your content already on social media. Yeah, so you can find me at at h underscore grove on Twitter, on Instagram, um, and then I do all my I do all, a lot of stuff for Cleveland.com's Facebook page. Do a lot of live broadcasts from training camp, from elsewhere. We'll be traveling this year a little bit. I'll be in Kansas City. We'll be in Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Green Bay. So it'll be a fun year. Definitely check us out, Cleveland.com um, slash Browns for all of, you know, the written word from Mary Kay, from Dan, from Scott, from Ellis, from Doug. Um, and like I said, I'm mostly on social media. So follow us at uh, Cleveland.com. Or I think it's Cleveland.com Browns on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then I, I do some of the stuff on Cleveland.com, the regular Twitter as well. Definitely follow our Instagram page at Brown, C-L-E-V-E. And definitely follow Clecom Sports, C-L-E-C-O-M-S-P-O-R-T-S. So, You'll see a ton of Browns content on there throughout the year. We try to do some unique and different stuff there. So really, I appreciate you guys letting me uh, shout us out because I know um, it's a great place to check out content for the Browns. Yeah, yeah, of course. And Hayden, thank you again for joining us tonight. We definitely appreciate your time. And guys, definitely be sure to check out um, all the pages they mentioned. Great Browns content for you guys all year round. And be sure to listen to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star review. Appreciate everyone that tunes into the show every week. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at FDPodcastCLE. Remember, the Feeling Dangerous podcast is presented by Jack Scott over at Renewal by Anderson and they've been in business for 117 years so be sure to call Jack today um, for that free consultation at 440-226-6224 that's 440-226-6224 we're the Failing Dangerous Podcast and we will talk to you guys all soon thank you for tuning in Connor in the backfield on the right side of Big Ben. Motion by the tight end. McDonald down the line, left to right. And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben. All the way back to the two, to the one. And the Browns have it in the end zone. And they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown. Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone. A touchdown. Not a bad start. 6 nothing Browns. Marquise Bouncy just sailed the ball over the head of Big Ben, who looked at James Conner. They raced back inside the five-yard line. It went into the end zone. B.J. Goodson and Carl Joseph were over there, and Joseph recovers it. Big field up.
under center. On first down and 10, takes the ball, gives it. Hunt runs. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He buries that shoulder and drives in for a touchdown. Kareem Hunt and the Browns lead 20 to nothing. You're on Cleveland bound. That's my town where they show you love it. They seen you around. All of my dogs up in the dog pound. Man, I love my tribe, my calves, my Browns. That's my heart. That's my soul.